So I want to thank you for gospel partners who over the last couple of years in really trying times have been willing to hold children, love them, teach them, and welcome them. Thank you for them. Thank you for them. And, and Lord, I pray that uh, there are other opportunities for people to serve and hold children and teach children and lead small groups. Lord, I pray that you would tug on hearts and raise up more that we might continue to welcome children and partner with parents to disciple their children. Listen, if the Lord moves you to do that, won't you mark that on your card or talk to Tony or to Vanya? And Lord, as we open your word today, we pray that you would teach us. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, <clears throat> I have the best job in the world. All week long, I had the opportunity to spend time with my best friend. Do you know who my best friend is? Jesus. And you, do you know what? He knows my name. And he calls me friend. Is that the most staggering thing that you've ever heard? That of all the people on earth, Jesus knows my name and he calls me friend. And so all week I had the chance to be with Jesus and get to know him. And this morning, this morning I've got the opportunity to come and help you see Jesus too and learn what I learned about him this week. And it's, it's going to be so, it's going to be so good. I, I'm so glad you're here. Um, um, if you have your Bible, turn with me to Colossians 1 and... Um, and uh, where we left off previously on Colossians, last week Strider was speaking, and Strider did a great job. And uh, yeah, you can clap, that's okay. <laughs> and what we learned last week is that Jesus is our Redeemer, that Jesus is our Redeemer, that He's redeemed us from sin and death. He's redeemed us by shedding His blood for us and purchasing us. He's redeemed us for, for the opportunity to do life and eternity with Jesus. And the moment we believe in Jesus, then Jesus says to us, follow me, follow me. And that invitation is what we're going to explore today when Jesus says to us, follow me. Kind of reminded me of our purpose as a church. Our purpose, will you say this with me? Is to make disciples together. And see the word disciples, we've defined that as a follower of Jesus. And so you might wonder, well, what would it look like what would it look like to follow Jesus? And, and, and that's what we're going to explore today in the, in the point of today's message. Here's where we're going. I will passionately pursue my joy in giving Jesus first place in every area of my life. You say, well, what would it look like to follow Jesus? This is what it would look like. So this time, will you read it with me? I will passionately pursue my joy in giving Jesus first place in every area of my life. I believe all of us, we're joy seekers, and our problems often, we're seeking it in the wrong place. And this morning, we're going to learn to pursue our joy in giving Jesus first place in every area of my life. And to keep things really, really simple, our action step's going to be the same thing too that I will passionately pursue my joy in giving Jesus first place in every area, every area of my life. And I think some of you are saying, yeah, right. But come with me. Come with me. Come and see Jesus with me. And I believe with all of my heart that if you see Jesus today,
my prayer for you is that the Holy Spirit would open your eyes and that when you see Jesus today, you would say, yes, 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 I will passionately pursue my joy in giving Jesus first place in all of my life. That's what I'm praying for. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Colossians 1 and, and let's get started. We're doing Colossians because many believe it's the most Jesus-centered book in the Bible and this is going to be so good about Jesus. Colossians 1.15, he is the image of the invisible God. So who is Jesus? He's the image of the invisible God. Uh, a little girl was drawing a picture. She was drawing a picture and she was just working on it and working on it. And the dad, after a while, said, um, what are you drawing a picture of? And she said, God. And he said, well, as no one has seen God, uh, no one knows what he looks like. And you know what she said? They will in a minute. The second commandment says what? Don't make images of God, right? But if we want to know what God looks like, all we need to do is look at Jesus because who is Jesus? He is the image of the invisible God. Let me show you that in John. In John chapter 1, verse 18, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who's in the bosom of the Father, he's explained him. God the Son came to earth and, and explained to us what God is like, that if we look at Jesus, then we get to see God. Uh, in John 14, after Jesus had said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, in John 14, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. <laughs> All this time they've been with Jesus, they say, show us the Father. And Jesus said to him, Have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. He says, You've seen me. You've seen the Father. He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you know we have a book? We have a book about Jesus. And we've been given the Holy Spirit to help us see Jesus in the Scriptures. So if you want to know what God is like, you look at Jesus because he's the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation. Well, wait a minute, Smiley. Does that mean that, that Jesus was born? Well, one of the best ways of interpreting Scripture is to let... Scripture interprets Scripture. So if you just read the next verse, for by him all things were created. No, no, Jesus wasn't born. He's the creator. He's not the created. <clears throat> the term firstborn in a Jewish, the firstborn son in a Jewish home would have had the preeminent position. He would be the heir of what was to come. And, and we use language like that in our own country today, that we might say that Jill Biden is what? Someone said she's the first lady. She has a position of the first lady in the country. And in the same way, Jesus has a, the preeminent position over all of creation. The firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created. Jesus created everything, both in the heavens and on earth. 
So let, let's go back to the most important verse in the Bible. The most important verse in the Bible is the first one. And the reason I say it's the most important, if you believe this verse, then you'll believe everything else that follows. But if you struggle here, you'll struggle every other place. And the first verse is so good. In the beginning, God. Think about it. In the beginning, nothing. If there was nothing in the beginning, there would be what? There would be nothing now because nothing can't create something. Where did everything come from? In the beginning, God. If there was no life in the beginning, there would be no life today because life comes from life. And so the Bible begins with, in the beginning, God. God created the heavens and the earth. He created everything. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Now, we believe there's one God, right? But he exists eternally in three persons. And so we see in the very beginning God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit working together to create the heavens and the earth. Don't you see it? The Father planned it. It was the Father's plan. The Son, do you see? Then God said, who's the Word? Who's the Word? Jesus is the Word. Jesus spoke. He's the Word of God. He spoke and everything came into being. It was the Father who planned it. It was Jesus who spoke it into being. And then the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, was energizing creation. He was energizing God's creation. So we get back to Colossians. Jesus was there on the day of creation. He, he spoke and everything came into being, both in the heavens and on earth. And you say, well, wait a minute, what's this heavens? Um, remember, remember in 2 Corinthians 12 when Paul speaking in the third person uh, talks about the heavens. Paul says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or out of the body I do not know, God knows such a man was caught up to the third heaven. That's why there's heavens, okay? So what are the heavens? We have our atmosphere, right? We have our atmosphere, and that's the first heaven. And then we have the stars in the sky, and they're the second heaven. Doesn't the Bible say the heavens are telling of the glory of God? Doesn't it say that? And their work is declaring the work of his hands. And then we have the third heaven, which is where God dwells. Oh, so, for by him all things were created, both in the heavens and the earth, visible and invisible. That means that, that Jesus made the angels, the things we can't see, as well as all the things that we do see, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. And doesn't Jesus show off sometime in creation? I mean, you ever read Genesis 1? Listen, God shows off. It says that God put the sun and the moon in the sky, and then it says he did what? He made the stars also. Isn't that showing off? I mean, all the stars in the universe, and that was just an also where it didn't tax God. He made them all. And, and don't you look at the creatures that God has made and the tremendous variety of creatures. Doesn't God show off in the beauty of the handiwork that he's made? And there's billions of people on earth, right? But no two people look the same. 
everything has been created by Jesus. Everything's been created for Jesus. And you know what that means? You were created by Jesus and you were created for Jesus. Aren't you thankful to be a Christian? We live in a culture that believes they've come from nothing and they're headed to nothing and in between we can be certain of nothing. And we're Christians. And we believe we've been created by Jesus. We've been created for Jesus. Aren't you glad to be a Christian? Um, he is before all things. Listen, Jesus is eternal. What we just celebrated at Christmas was not when God the Son came into being. We celebrated when God the Son put on flesh and became the person, Jesus Christ. Don't we see that in John chapter 1? In John chapter 1, I love this verse. In the beginning was the Word. So we communicate with one another through words. So what it's saying is in the beginning was God the Son. God the Son's the one who communicates God to us. So in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. God the Son was with God the Father and with God the Spirit from eternity past. And the Word was God. Jesus is fully God. He was in the beginning with God. At one of the early church councils, at one of the early church councils, the battle cry was this, there never was a time when the Son was not. There never was a time when the Son was not. There never was a time when the Son was not. Christmas is when the Son became the person, Jesus Christ. All things came into being through Him. That's you and me, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Um, he is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. Now just, just meditate on that for a moment, that in Him all things hold together. That's so big, we're going to come back next week and just spend the whole time in verse 17 about how Jesus holds all things together. And you say, why? Do you ever look around you and say, why, everything's falling apart? Do you ever think that? Well, if Jesus holds all things together and everything's falling apart, what do you know? That, that people have forgotten Jesus, right? And if you want to be a part of putting things back together again, what do you do? You, you point people toward the one who, who holds all things together. Oh. Now look at verse 18. He is also head of the body. Do you know what that also means? Anybody know that? What did we just learn? He's the head of what? See, he's the creator. He's also the savior. The also is that Jesus is the head of creation. He made it all. He's the head of the new creation. He's the church. Oh, listen, he is also head of the body, the church. Oh. See, for a Christian, there's no dichotomy between the spiritual and the secular. There's no dichotomy between what's spiritual and secular because Jesus is the head of creation and he's the head of the church. He's the creator and he's the savior. And so we're comfortable in creation and we're comfortable in the church because Jesus is the head of both. He's the firstborn from the dead. That means he's the first one who got up and walked out of the tomb. He's the first, but he's not the last. One day soon, Jesus is coming back, right? And when he comes back, oh, what a day. 
the bodies of all of his people will be raised up and we'll have perfect bodies and live forever with him on a, on a new earth, right? He's also head of the body of the church and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. Where history is headed is when Jesus comes back and he has first place in everything. And that's why those of us who know him now those of us who are followers of his now, we're already moving in that direction, right? And that's why I will passionately pursue my joy in giving Jesus first place in every area of my life. For it was the Father's good pleasure Do you know how many people tell me things like, Smiley, do I have to go to church? Do I have to share my faith? Did you hear what it says about God? He didn't have to. He didn't have to save us. It was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of the cross, through him I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. The father loved us so much that he developed a plan that his son would die in our place. It pleased him. It pleased Jesus to shed his blood to reconcile us to God and to each other. And it pleases the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, to draw us to Christ, and to give us the desire and the power to follow after Jesus. Just like the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit work together to create all things, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit work together to reconcile us to God and to each other. It pleased Him. Um, but we're going to spend time in verse 18. Verse 18, so that... He himself will come to have first place in everything. Um, I will passionately pursue my joy in giving Jesus first place in every area of my life. Now, as I begin to unpack that, the first thing I want to unpack is, who is the one who, who invites us to follow me? Who is the one who says, follow me? Do you know who it is? It's my creator. It's my creator. The reason I want to give him first place is I've been made by him, and I've been made for him. Uh, do you see that in, in verse 16? For by him all things... He made me. He knows me way better than I know myself. For all things were created through him and for him. Um, want to know why I'm so thankful to be a Christian? Let me show you this verse, Psalm 139. Just, just think of all the people around us who think they're accidents. They just happened. And yet we know that God made us. Listen to Psalm 139. For you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. When was the last time you thanked Jesus for that? Did do you know that he wove you? He determined your sex. He determined the color of your eyes and how tall you would be. And he wove you in your mother's womb. That's why we want to follow him. He made us. He knows us. 
I will give thanks to you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. Lord, thank you for life. Thank you that I've been made by you and for you. Oh, verse 15. The next verse, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Jesus formed us. Your eyes have seen my un, unformed substance and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me when as yet there was not one of them. Jesus knew you, loved you, planned out your life before there was even one and wove you in your mother's womb. That's why we want to give Jesus first place because we've been made by him and for him. He's designed us for a purpose. Oh, Jeremiah thought he was too young to be a, a prophet. And so here's, now the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I mean, is that cool? Did you know that Jesus knew you before the world began? And he knew you before he formed you in the womb and that he has a purpose for you. You've been made by him. You've been made for him. For I, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. He was designed by Jesus and for Jesus for a big purpose. And that's true of us as well. I will passionately pursue my joy and giving Jesus first place in every area of my life because he's the one who created me. I've been, been created by him and for him. He's my creator. He's my savior. Do you know? I spit in his face and said, don't tell me how to live. And Jesus loved me anyway. Is there anyone else who loves us like that? Oh, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, for by grace you have been saved <clears throat> through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. I have asked so many people, how do you plan to get to heaven? And they say, it's by my works. I'm a good person. I'm a good person. It's by my works. But the gospel says, it's not of works. It's not of works. And you know why? The bad news of the gospel is we have a problem called sin, which is a crime against God. God gives us life. God gives us breath. God gives us all good things to enjoy. And we look at God and say, I won't honor my parents. And we look at God and say, I won't be content with what I have. And we look at God and say, I won't tell the truth. I, I will still. We look at God and says, listen, I will have sex outside of marriage. And so we commit crime after crime against God, a just God who must punish sin. And he says, what we deserve for what we have done is hell. So what do we do? What do we do? We can't do anything. But Jesus loves us. The good news is Jesus is our Savior, that God the Son put on flesh and came to earth in the person of Jesus Christ to save us from our sins, that he lived a perfect life for us, and then he went to the cross. 
I want you to know that crucifixion was the most painful, it was the most painful way to execute someone. But many people were crucified. What made Jesus' death so horrific was that he took our sins upon himself. And he experienced the wrath of God in our place. He said, I love you this much that I will bear your son, sins. And so he died on the cross for our sins. And like we learned last week, he stayed there until he could cry out, paid in full or to tell us die, right? Jesus died for our sins to pay the penalty for our sins. He was buried, but he didn't stay dead. On the third day, he rose from the grave. And his resurrection proves that he had conquered sin and death and they couldn't hold him anymore. And so he offers us the free gift of salvation, the free gift of salvation. And it's salvation what? It's salvation from, from sin and its penalty, which is hell itself. It's salvation for forgiveness and doing life and eternity with Jesus. And what's our part? Notice what it says. It's not to try hard. It's for by grace you have been saved through faith. We're saved through faith, and saving faith is as simple as ABC, where we admit and believe and commit. Listen, if, if you've never been saved, won't you? You could do that now, or I'd be glad to assist you when, when we close in prayer. But saving faith begins when we admit, Jesus, I've sinned against you, and I'm sorry. Won't you do that? And then we believe, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And then we commit, Jesus, I'm not going to trust in my good works anymore. I'm going to trust you, what you did for me. I'm trusting what you did on the cross for my eternity. Won't you forgive me, give me eternal life? And, and then it's to trust him as Lord. Today I surrender to you. From, I want you to be Lord, and from this day forward, I'll, I'll follow you as you give me the strength. Won't you do that? Oh. And if you have, listen to verse 10. For we are his workmanship. The Greek word there, poema, we're his unique creation. We're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Listen, we've been created by Jesus and for Jesus. And listen, we've been saved by Jesus and we've been saved for Jesus. For good works, created in Christ Jesus for good works. We weren't saved by good works, but we're saved for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Jesus, you made me. I've been made by you and for you. You've saved me. So I will passionately pursue my joy in giving you first place in every area of my life because I want to walk in the good works that you've saved me for. Is that your heart? Isn't it the way you want your heart to be? Oh, the one who says, follow me, is my creator. He's my, he's my savior. He's my joy giver. My joy giver. Do you know that Jesus says our problem is too little joy, not too much? Did you know that? Jesus didn't come to earth because people were having way too much fun to make them stop. Matter of fact, I'm having lunch with someone this week and we're in a restaurant and the server says, all my customers these days, all my customers are so dark, they're so gloom, they're so joyless. What an opportunity we have as Christians to shine, don't we? Because the one we follow is the joy giver. Look at John 15. This verse is so good. These things I've spoken to you because you're having too much fun? 
No, no, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you. Jesus says, I want my joy to be in you and that your joy may be made full. If you think Jesus steals people of their joy, just look around our culture. How much joy do you see? Do you see a lot of joyful people? Oh, but you can be. Jesus says the reason we give him first place in every area of our life is because we're pursuing our joy in the joy giver. Oh, this next verse has got to be one of my favorites, of course. My favorite verse is kind of like my favorite kind of ice cream, whatever I ate last. But in Psalm 16, look at this verse. Oh, Holy Spirit, help us to believe it. Help us to believe it. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forever. The reason I passionately pursue my joy in giving Jesus first place in every area of my life is because Jesus leads me on the path of life. That in his presence, there's the fullness of joy. That in his right hand, there are pleasures forever. Ah. And so far we've learned as we begin to unpack that I will passionately pursue my joy uh, in giving Jesus first place in every area of my life. Who invites me to follow? He's my creator. He's my savior. He's my joy giver. So let's press on a little bit deeper into this point, okay? Let's press on to uh, I will passionately pursue my joy in giving Jesus first place. That means Jesus wants to be number one, not number two, not number 36, number one. We are in every area of my life. So what would that look like? Well, he would have first place in our time, right? First place in our time. Because what does the Bible teach? Listen, in Matthew 6, 33, it says, but seek what? First, his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things should be added to you. And listen, what would that look like on Sunday? You've taken a great step to put Jesus first in your time, right? On the first day of the week, we gather together with our joy giver, right? And why do we come? Because we want to pursue our joy in him. And so we come. We come to encourage God's people and be encouraged. We come to sing to one another and sing to the Lord. We come to hear God's word because we give him first place in our time. And then tomorrow's Monday. What will be the first thing you do when you get up? Will it be to get on social media? Does that fill you with joy? Will it be to check the news? Does that really put joy in your heart? Will it be to check the scores when your team lost again? Oh, why not pursue your joy in the joy giver? We have a book about Jesus. We've been given the Holy Spirit so that we might see Jesus who is the image of the invisible God. What a way to get our day started right, to give him first place in our time. First place in our time, first place in our money. Does Jesus have first place in our money? 
Oh, I love this verse in Proverbs 3. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. And isn't that what worship's all about? On the first Sunday of the month, we come and, and we give to the Lord first. Why? Because he has first place in everything, right? And, and as we give him first place in our money, then we set our, our, the rest of the week up for handling our money in, in, in the right way, right? But I want you to see, once again, Jesus doesn't want to steal our joy. He doesn't say, you have way too much, you should feel horribly guilty and give it all away. Notice what he says, honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. Why? So your barns will be filled with plenty. So you'll be filled with joy. And your vats will overflow with new wine. Oh. First in our money. Let me show you another great verse in 1 Timothy. Instruct those who are rich in this present world. Now, most of you are checking out now, right? Because you think it's not applying to you. Remember how Jesus taught us to pray? He taught us to pray what? Give us our daily bread. Do you have more food in your house than you're going to eat today? You're rich. Most people in history couldn't imagine having more food in their house than what they could eat that day. So if you have more food than you're going to eat today, you're incredibly rich. Do you own a car? Wow. Do you have a home? Most people in history couldn't fathom such riches. He's speaking to us. Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God. Notice, who richly supplies us with all good things to enjoy. When Jesus is first with our money, then we can enjoy the things that money brings to us. When we eat a meal, we thank Jesus because he gave us the meal. We live in a home and we thank him for it, that he gave it to us. And we thank him for our car. And if we get to go on vacation, we're thankful because he gives us all good things. What to enjoy. First in our time, first in our money, first in our school, first in our school. Does Jesus have first place in your school? Oh, let me show you a verse that really changed me as a student. Psalm 111, verse 2, great are the works of the Lord. They are studied by all who delight in them. I was a horrible student until I met Jesus. And then I discovered the one we studied on Sunday as our Savior was the one we studied on Monday to Friday as our creator. That there was no dichotomy between Sunday and Monday because Jesus is head of both creation and his church. So math became the study of the order of the world that God has made. And biology was studying all these amazing creatures that Jesus had made. And history wasn't random. It was his story. Wow. Does Jesus have first place in school? Great, great are the works of the Lord. They are studied by all who delight in them. Ah, first in our work, right? First in our work. Is, does Jesus have first place in your work? Uh, in Colossians 3, we read, Whatever you do, do your work heartily, as for the Lord rather than for men. Maybe you're a banker, maybe you're a homemaker, maybe you're a teacher. Listen, 
Make sure that Jesus has first place, right? Make sure Jesus has first place. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance is the Lord Christ whom you serve. Wow. Listen, Monday is not less spiritual than Sunday because Jesus has first place in our work. Uh, first place in our time and money and school and work and family and play and play. Does Jesus have first place in your play, does he? Oh, one of my heroes is uh, Eric Little. He won an Olympic gold medal in 1924, uh, but his sister, his sister thought running was a waste of time, that sports was a waste of time. Eric's sister told him, God made you to be a missionary to China. Uh, and, but Eric said, you're right. God made me to be a missionary to China, but God also made me fast. And when I run, I feel God's pleasure. Did you see how his sister had a dichotomy? That, that listen, missionarying was good and running was bad. But you see what Eric said? There's no dichotomy for a Christian. That God made me fast, and when I run, I feel God's pleasure. Don't you have that sometimes? You're at work, or you're at play, and you're doing something, and you just realize, God made me for this. And isn't that an amazing moment that when I run, when I play the piano, when I sing, when I fix someone's flat tire, I feel God's pleasure. That's what he made me for. Isn't it great to be a Christian? We're surrounded by people who think there's no purpose, but God made us for this. Oh, So how do we get there? How do we get there? Well, it doesn't it start with prayer? It doesn't start with prayer. Lord, change my heart that I would pursue my joy in you and not in all these other things. We, we had a strategic planning team meeting this week. Um, pray for us as we're, we're really seeking to listen together to God, to, to plan out a better future for, for our church. And we're there and we were looking at opportunities for our church, opportunities and uh, someone had put up there for revival and, and to pray for revival and... Uh, then Cindy Taylor said something really, really interesting. Um, let me show you the verse about revival. She says, Smiley prays for revival all the time, and I would encourage you to do the same. Here's the verse to do it from. Psalm 85, 6 says, Will you not yourself revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? But here's what Cindy said. She said, I'm praying that Jesus would revive me. How many of us spend all of our time complaining about what's happening in our country? What if we would say, Jesus, I'm praying for revival in my country, but, but will you not yourself revive me? Imagine what would happen in our lives if we prayed that he would revive me. And, and I've been praying like Cindy's ever since Tuesday. Will you not yourself revive me again? That, that I, as a follower of Christ, may rejoice in you? Lord, I'm praying that you would revive me so that I regardless of what everybody else is doing, would passionately pursue my joy in giving you first place in every area of my life. Oh, and uh, I see little glimpses of that from time to time. Every Thursday morning, I meet with what I call David's mighty men. David's mighty men are, are these men from David Christopher's small group who say, we want more. We want to become disciple makers. 
Do you know how much joy I get in building into men who say, I want more? But one of David's mighty men wasn't there on Thursday. He was in Sebring, but he FaceTimed in. And he said, could I share a story? He said, we moved to St. Augustine from Sebring, but I had two neighbors who were brothers, and I always wanted to share the gospel with them, but I never did. And now one of the brothers died, and the other brother, his wife, had died, and I don't want to miss this opportunity. So he says, I prayed about it, and, and, and I grabbed my Do You Know booklet, and I, and I went to my neighbor and said, could I ask you a question? And he just read to him, do you know you're going to heaven? And then why should God let you in heaven? And he said, because I'm a good person. And then Doug said, could, could I just read you this little booklet to help clarify that for you? And Doug just shared with him the bad news and the good news. And he invited him to respond, and his neighbor responded. Dear people, Jesus is the joy giver. Doug was going out of his mind with joy of being used of Jesus to win his neighbor to faith in Christ. And he said, oh, Smiley, the Do You Know booklet, it works, it works. And I said, no, no, it doesn't work. You're the witness. You loved your neighbor. You took the initiative. The booklet is just a tool that people who love people and want to see them come to faith in Christ can use to share the gospel with them. That's what you did. That's what you did. You were really the king. Oh, and so this week, this week we rejoice at seeing one person come to faith in Christ. <clears throat> and I, I want you to know, I, I'm, I'm aware of this. I know I drive you crazy that I repeat things over and over and over again. But I want you to know it's, it's like athletes training for something. Because when Doug was about to share the gospel, he thought, you know what, I've heard this a thousand times. I can do it. And you know what, he can't. And when he got to the ABCs, I've heard this a thousand times. I can do it. And you can too, because you've heard it a thousand times. I'm seeking to equip you so that you can do what Doug did. And you can do it. You really, really can. Um, I'm so thankful for what Cindy said. And ever since then, I've been praying. Will you join me? Will you? Will you not yourself revive me again? That I, that I, as a follower of Jesus Christ, would passionately pursue my joy in giving Jesus every area of my life. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for not treating me the way I treated you. Thank you that though I sinned against you over and over and over again, you came to save me and to save us. Thank you. Thank you for dying and rising so that sinners like me and all of us could, could be saved and live with you forever. Listen, if you've never been saved and you'd like to, Jesus is here. Won't you tell him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. 
And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come in and forgive me and give me eternal life and be my Savior. I want you to be Lord of my life and help me be the person you want me to be. If you've done that for the first time, way to go. Won't you mark it on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you. And Jesus, I pray for all of us who have believed in you that we would hear you saying, follow me, follow me. And Jesus, I pray we would say, yes, yes. Jesus, you're our creator. We've been made by you and for you. You're our savior. You've saved us from wasting our lives in eternity to do life in eternity with you. You've saved us for good works. Lord, you're the joy, our joy giver. That you want to lead us on the, the path of life. That you want us to experience the fullness of joy. You want us to experience pleasures forever. So listen, if you know Jesus, won't you say with me too, will you not yourself revive me again? That I, as a follower of yours, might passionately pursue my joy in giving you, Jesus, first place in every area of my life. Amen.